Everybody? So basically, well, the, the class is, is we, we sent out this morning, well, the class is going to deal with the idea of Gilgul, of reincarnation, and of Tehiyat HaMetim, and how it relates to this parashat, to parashat Yitro. Next week, actually, is parashat Mishpatim, and the Zohar talks about Mishpat, Mishpatim as being the parashat. It's one of the longest uh, commentaries in the in the Zohar, and that really goes very deep into Gilgul. But we're going to touch a little upon it now to see how it relates to this week's parasha. So in order to understand what's going on with the beginning of this week's parasha, which is called Parshat Yitro, and in Parshat Yitro we have Yitro coming with Moshe's wife and children to, to, Moshe, to Moshe, but the main part of this week's parasha is the Ten Commandments. And the question is, people ask, why, when the parashiot were divided, did we put the name of the parasha or the beginning of the parasha as Yitro, and connected Yitro to the Ten Commandments? What, was, what, what is the connection of Yitro to the Ten Commandments? In order to understand what's going on with Yitro and with, uh, with, with this parasha, we have to go back to the beginning to Bereshit. In Bereshit, we have Adam and Chava have two sons, Cain and Hevel. Cain becomes very jealous. Cain offered a, 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 a sacrifice to Hashem. His brother Hevel said, great idea. He offered a sacrifice to Hashem. Hashem took Hevel's sacrifice and not Cain's. So Cain got very jealous. The rabbis also suggest that there were no wives for them in those days. So we see that Cain was born, whatever, with one twin sister to marry, and Hevel was born with two. Cain said, I'm the firstborn. I should get the two. You get the one. So the, the whole thing here is a, an aspect of jealousy, where Cain is the firstborn, he wants everything, and he doesn't want his brother to have anything. Also the Midrash says that before Cain killed Hevel, the two brothers had a philosophical debate. And Cain decided during the debate that this world is a place of no judgment and no judge. Nothing is fair in this world. He was very upset that God came and God didn't take his sacrifice. Now remember, Cain brings the worst of the flax that he had. Basically, he was a farmer. And he took the worst that he could do and he was giving it to God. While Hevel, who was a, a, a shepherd, took the best of his sheep to give to God. Ramban says that Cain tells his brother, let's go out to the field. When he says, let's go out to the field, Cain's intention was, according to Ramban, that all of mankind should descend from him and not from his brother. Meaning he had intent to get rid of his brother. Rabbi Yosef Karo tries to understand. He's the author of the Shulchan Aruch. He tries to understand if Hevel's not stupid, why would he go with his brother? He says that Cain had told Hevel that Hashem came to him. And Hashem says to Cain, listen, Cain, if you do better, then everything's good. This is what Hevel did. This is what you did. This is why yours wasn't accepted. So he figured God already spoke to him. God told him what to do. He's telling him God spoke to him, told him what to do. Everything should be fine. Also, Cain, when he speaks to, to Hevel, when he speaks to his brother, he uses the, the Torah, he uses the term Vayomer. Vayomer is generally a, a language, we, we said a few weeks ago, rock. it's a soft language, it's a loving language. So Cain didn't realize there was, there was going to be uh, a murder here, his murder, and therefore he goes out with his brother. After Cain kills Hevel, the Pasuk says that Hashem comes to Cain and he says, Hashem says, Vayomer, me'asita, what did you do? It's a very strange term here. It says, kol achicha, the voice of the bloods. It's not called dam achicha, it's called achicha, the voice of the bloods, meaning it's not individual. There's a lot of bloods calling out. Who are the lot of bloods that are calling out from the earth? So akim elai min adama. So basically the blood, of, he kills his brother, the blood goes into the ground. God said, the bloods of your brother are crying out. What's bloods? Rabbeinu Bachya says, it's plural. Why is it plural? 
because he, he not only killed Hevel, but all of the descendants that Hevel would have had, their blood is calling from the ground. The Midrash tells us that this pasuk is an allusion to Techiyat HaMetim, to the resurrection of the dead. Seeing that the offspring at the time of his death had only been something potential, how could the Torah speak about potential being bloods crying from the ground? So he says, the Midrash, that the answer therefore is that it's human beings who should have been brought back to life at the time of Techiyat HaMetim. So he's saying that these, these souls should have been born, should have died, and then would come back again. And that's who's crying. Please. How does he know the concept of death to begin with? Time. I mean, he's going, he's murdering his but he didn't know what murder is. Why did he know how to stop life? Exactly. Any of those things? No question. He, he didn't. This is exactly. after so the case. Is it a murder if I don't know? So that maybe that's why God didn't kill him and lets him live for X amount of generations because maybe he didn't realize the consequence of his actions. Maybe. But maybe he did. We don't know. The Mikubalim see the plural, the word dame here, as an allusion to the reincarnation of souls in other bodies. We go, and then we come back as someone else. In the case of Hevel, he actually comes back to the world. Cain kills Hevel, and the Pasuk tells us, after 130 years, Adam was again with his wife Chava, and they have a son, Shet, and the Pasuk says very clearly, Shet tachat Hevel. Shet is to replace Hevel. So the rabbis tell us that the soul of Hevel went into Shet. We've talked about before that Shet, after he passes away, he comes back as Noah. Noah has the ability to save the entire world. When Hashem tells Noah, go into the ark, I'm going to destroy the world, Noah says, yes sir, he goes into the ark. What could Noah have done? He realizes that when he comes out of the ark and he prays to Hashem, and he offers a sacrifice, Hashem says, you know what? I'll never bring a flood again, and gives him a sign of a rainbow. At that point, why is Noah's life downhill from there? Because he realizes that had he prayed before the flood, and had he made the effort before the flood, maybe he could have stopped everything. And then we don't really hear anything of Noah, even though Noah is still alive when Abraham Avinu was born. It's crazy that we don't hear from him. So what happens to the soul of Noah after he dies? The rabbis tell us the soul of Noah goes into Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses. And when Moshe Rabbeinu, both of them are in a teva, Noah's in the teva, Moshe's in the teva, there's many correlations. And when Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm going to destroy the Jewish people, same exact case as Noah, I'm going to destroy the world. And Noah goes into the ark. When Hashem tells Moshe, I'm going to destroy the people, make a whole nation from you, what does Moshe say? If you want to destroy the people, I don't want to be the guy. Wipe me out. The word mecheni, if you reverse the letters, it says ani noach. Basically, Moshe Rabbeinu is saying to God, in my last time when I was Noach, I messed up. I didn't save the world when I had an opportunity. This time, Mecheni Na. And they call the, the, waters, the waters of the flood, they call them Mei Noach. Why Mei Noach? Because he could have changed everything. So Mecheni actually is Mei Noach. Mecheni Na, all the letters there, goes to bring Ani Noach, Am Noach. So we see that, that this, is, this is Hevel. Hevel is Shet. Shet is Noach. Noach is Moshe. And you take all those letters and they spell the, the word Neshama. The key Neshama in the world is Noach, Shet, Moshe, Hevel. Now what happens to Cain? So quoting from Sefer Shnei Luchot Habrit, says Cain also had to come back. He had to fix what he did wrong. And there are different parts of our soul. The Mikubalim talk about three levels of soul, and then they talk about five levels. But the three levels are the main three. There's the lowest level of our soul, which is the nefesh, 
It's the animal soul. Then there's the ruach, which we call spirit, wind. And then there's neshama, which is a higher level. When we come into this world, we have to fix or we have to, we have to graduate the, leather, the, letter, the level of nefesh, the level of ruach, the level of neshama. Like we have to elevate ourselves from, we go through elementary school, graduation. High school, graduation. College, graduation. Nefesh, ruach, neshama. Unfortunately, if we don't graduate, we have to repeat school in another body. And we come back, and then we have the test. When we come back, we can generally only attend to one level at a time. So now we have, there's the negative parts of his soul and the positive parts of his soul. The negative parts of his soul, the negative nefesh, the negative ruach, and the negative neshama come back. And since he killed Hevel, they come back in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. And it's Moshe who's dealing with those levels. It says the ruach, the lowest level on the negative side of Cain, comes back as the Egyptian, who we see in the beginning of Shemot, is beating the Jewish person. Moshe comes and he kills him. Why does he kill him? Because he killed him. And what does he do with his body? He buries it in the sand because the blood of Cain, the blood of Hevel went into the earth. He killed him with his voice, Moshe. He killed him with... Shema we say. He said a name of a god and that abracadabra. Now we have Korach. Korach is also jealous of Moshe. Korach has a lot of the, the attitude of Cain. Korach wants to be the leader. He wants everything to be from him. He's related to Moshe. They're both Levi'im. And Korach comes to attack Moshe. What happens to Korach? He's swallowed up by the ground. Again, relating to the blood of Hevel. But there's... So this neshama, so basically you have to imagine, yes, so that's the, the answer is that if a neshama is made up of three or five levels, and even those levels are made up of sub-levels, and those levels are made up of sub-levels, why we have maybe an easier tikkun, an easier repair, is because we only have a little piece of some soul that was back there that we have to deal with. So to make the job easier... Hashem divided the souls. Those 600,000 souls, which encompassed all of the souls, those 600,000 are us, but we're obviously more than 600,000. So our souls only have a piece of those souls to be metaken. We have to be a small part. So you see here, that soul is divided into at least three on the negative, three on the positive, but we're dealing with the three on the, on the, on the left side of it. Where does... Um... God cursing the ground after Adam and Chava come in these stories since the ground is, is taking the blood. The ground is taking the bodies. So the ground, so the ground now is taking its own revenge by taking the bodies. It's taking its own revenge against, against Cain for messing up the ground because we said that the ground became negative. After Adam sins and the ground is cursed, and after Cain kills Hevel and the blood of Hevel goes into the ground, the ground is cursed. The, the idea is we have to reverse the curse of the ground through various methods, and that's why we have many of the mitzvot that we have, to remove the curse from the ground. And that's why I said, you know, the rabbi spoke on about grounding. Grounding is very, not us. Grounding is for the witches because the witches have to be grounded in order to draw the negativity from the earth, the Tum'ah from the earth, in order to do what they're doing. That's why we wear shoes. That's why Moshe, when he comes to the mountain, Hashem says, take off your shoes, because of all places, this is holy ground. The Ben Amikdash, of all places, this is holy ground. Everywhere else, you have to wear shoes. That's why the brothers of Yosef buy shoes with the money after they sell him, because after that they realize that they didn't fix everything, the ground is still cursed, they need shoes to protect themselves from the negativity of the ground. So now we have Yitro is the third one. Yitro is the, is the third one relating to this, this idea of the tikkun of Kain. And we're going to see through Yitro 
how we see a real tikkun of Kayin. Now, so so we so the we, we mentioned already the Korach and Nena. So we're going to ex- hopefully explain Yitro's Gilgul at the end and try to understand how Yitro, in all of his actions, is metaken, is fixing Kayin. So this portion, which some consider the most important, is named for Yitro. Now the name comes from the first words of the of the parasha. It's not like the rabbis gave it names, but when Ezra Sofer divided it, he divided it so the parasha is going to begin that Yitro heard. Once it begins Yitro heard, we're going to call it Yitro. We're going to call this parasha Yitro. And the parasha begins Vayishma Yitro Kohen Midian. So now Yitro, we know him from before because we already met him. Because what happened? We met Yitro when Moshe went to Midian and ends up marrying his daughter. So his name is Yitro. Now we have a description of who he is. Kohen Midian. He was the high priest of Midian. The rabbi says, what does that mean, high priest? He was the Pope of the Goyim. He was in Egypt. He knew everything of Abu Dazarat, tried everything, was able to manipulate, was able to do. He was the high priest of... We have, but here we're using Yitro, which we used before. Kohen Midian, we give him a title, and then we give him another title. Choten Moshe, Moshe's father-in-law. So it says, what did he hear? It kol Elohim Moshe. Everything God did for Moshe and Israel, that he took them out of Egypt. Rashi says, what did he specifically hear? And Rashi brings two things. He heard how Hashem split the sea and destroyed the Egyptians in the sea. And he heard how God was with them when they fought against Amalek. He heard that Amalek went to attack B'nai Israel after we left Egypt, after we crossed the sea, while we were in the desert, without bothering anybody, without coming near their territory. What happens? Amalek comes to attack us without any possible gain for themselves. Now, when you hear the two stories... The splitting of the sea, which is more miraculous than anything that happened in Egypt, is something you would say, wow, that's what I heard. The war with Amalek, it's not something I would come to to say that was so great. We fight Amalek, nobody wins. They go, we go, and the war is going to continue later on. It's just a standstill. So why does Rashi bring and try to compare the two, the splitting of the sea with the war with Amalek? And why doesn't Rashi suggest that you know what he heard about? Makat Bechorot, the killing of the firstborn, or the plagues in Egypt, the blood, the frogs. Why only these two things? And in every verse that mentions Yitro, we call Yitro Choten Moshe, the father-in-law of Moshe. It says by the Mephashim that Yitro himself gave himself this title. I am the father-in-law of the king. Like he would go around and say, Hi, how are you? What's your name? My name's Choten Moshe. I'm the king's father-in-law. Because Moshe is the king, Moshe is the one who did all the miracles, he uses this title, and what does it give him? People respect him. Instead of using Kohen Midian, which was his title forever, the Pope of the Goyim, now he, he reverts to this title, Choten Moshe. Something very interesting. That the reason Moshe marries Sipora was to stay with God with Yitro. Then we so, give him the excuse because from him he learned a lot, he learned from each other, and this is the only reason he married Sipora. We're going to see here. Story. You're going to see here why he married Sipora. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so he says this is it. So Rashi heard. He said he also heard about the man. He heard about you know the well, but again he admits the ten plagues. So the pasuk continues. The second pasuk. Ten Moshe. Again. We say his title, the father-in-law of Moshe. He takes Sipora, Eshet Moshe, Achar Shilucheha. He takes Moshe's wife, Sipora, after Moshe sent her away. When did Moshe send her away? So here it sounds like a family reunion. And the Torah admit, omits so much. What do we need any of these details for? And when did he send her away? So the rabbis say that when Moshe originally came to Egypt, he brought his wife and his kids on the donkey. They stopped at the inn. 
Aaron came to meet them. He, Aaron said, Moses, nice to see you after all these years. Who are these people with you? That's my wife. Those are my kids. She just gave them a brief milah. And where are you taking them? Well, God told me to go to Egypt. I'm taking them with me. And Aaron says, you don't think we have enough hostages and trouble in Egypt that we need to bring more people? So Moses then sends her back to her father's house that she should be protected from anything that goes on in Egypt. Now we have Ve'et Shinebaneha, her two her two sons. Asher Shem Ha'echad Gershom. The name of the first is Gershom. Now not only does the Pasuk say his name, it says why he was named, even though we already heard this. Ki Amar Ger Hayiti Be'eretz Nochriah. Because Moshe said, I was a stranger in a strange land. We already know his name. We already know the reasoning. Why do we need again to repeat this when the Torah is always careful not to have too many words? And the name of the one, we don't call him the second one, the one, and there's a whole reasoning behind it. Because God saved me from the sword of Paro when Moshe was caught after he kills the Egyptians. Paro realizes that this is not going to be his son. He's not going to take over Egypt for him. He's not going to represent Egypt. He is the guy that they were always worried about. They send him to be executed. They're going to take the sword and kill him. Miraculously, his neck turns to stone or whatever else. He escaped. So either way, whatever it is, God saves him and he names his second son to remember that he was saved. Why do, we, or she, well, why do we need to know this here now? Why do we need this? And again, the next pasuk. Moshe. And it says again, Yitro, the father-in-law of Moshe. El Moshe. And his children and his wife. We already got that they were there. They come to the desert by Mount Sinai. Why? And why is Yitro coming to Moshe? Yitro is a goy. We started out saying he is the Kohen Midian. He didn't convert. Tell me in the Pasuk, he wants to convert. But why, do, why does he want to come now? Why does he want to hear words of Torah? Why is it so important for him to come hear the Torah, come hear the Ten Commandments, be at Har Sinai, and make sure that his daughter and his grandchildren are at Har Sinai? So the Pasuk continues. Vayomer chotencha yitro. And now he's referring to himself. He says to, to Moses, you know, your father-in-law, Yitro, Ba'elecha, comes to you, Ve'ishtecha, if I'm not good enough for you to, because basically there's the camp. They can't come into the camp because the camp is protected. So they're saying, we're outside the camp. They send a message inside. We need to get in. I'm here, Yitro. If I'm not good enough, your wife is here. If she's not good enough, your two sons are here. Please come outside. The Midrash says, Hashem comes to Moshe and says, Quick, go to your father-in-law, show him respect. Why does Hashem need to tell Moshe to go? Moshe is the humblest guy. And why wouldn't he respect his father-in-law? It says, So Moshe goes out to greet his father-in-law. He bows to him. He kisses him. They ask each other their peace. They come into the oil. Says when Moshe left, what happens? Aaron says, Moshe, where are you going? He goes, my, my father-in-law is out there with the kids. Aaron says, I'll come with you. Aaron's sons see their father going with Moshe. And they ask, they say, oh, we'll come with you too. The 70 elders say, oh, we'll come with you too. The rest of the people say, so who comes out to greet you today? Big bulk of the people come to greet Yitro. Where do they bring him? To the Bet Midrash. The Ohel is the place of study. Why do we need to know they bring him to the Bet Midrash to study? And what happens there? Plus, I just want to thank Moshe. It's, I know where you're, it's unbelievable what you're about to say, but... Mo, Mo, you know, I'm, I have no idea. <laughs> it's, it's, I always found it interesting Moshe doesn't kiss, you know, he doesn't kiss his wife, he doesn't... Kiss Maybe he kissed his wife and his children. Let's his, not... <laughs> his kids, right? We don't, Jacob with... But we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. We don't know if he kisses. The Pasuk is only telling us this. The Pasuk misses a lot of the action. The Pasuk is not a history book. Maybe he kissed his wife and his kids. Let's not... Uh... Moshe. Moshe tells Lechotno, 
again, to his father-in-law. He tells him everything that happened, how God saved them. Now, Yitro tells Moshe, wait one second, he goes into the back room, says, Vayichad Yitro. Moshe, Yitro gives himself a brit milah, and he says, I am converted. That's it. He goes, jumps in the mikveh, comes back, comes back in the room. He wants to be a Jew. All of this convinced him. And then the next pasuk is the most strange. Vayomed Yitro Baruch Adonai. Blessed is God, Asher Hitzil Echem Yad Mitzrayim Umiyad Paro who saved you from the hand of Mitzrayim, the hand of Paroh, who saved the nation from below the hand of Mitzrayim. So it says, Baruch Hashem, says the Gemara, the Jews should be ashamed. We leave Egypt, no Jew says, thank you God, until Yitro comes. Yitro reached a level that no one else reached. Also keep in mind that we hear the angels in heaven they say every day, Kadosh, 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 Hashem. Three words before they get to Hashem. We say every day, Baruch Ata, Hashem. Two words before we get to Hashem. Yitro says, Baruch Hashem. He has only one word before. He's connected for some reason that we don't see. Doesn't he say, though, he kind of says, like, you went over with Pharaoh's God, he's still acknowledging God. All the forces in the world, Hashem is the one who rules over the forces. Because you see, you see, but, but here he's... We wouldn't recognize Pharaoh's God. We definitely recognize Pharaoh's gods. We, we worship Pharaoh's gods for a hundred, whatever, two hundred years. I don't hope, not, not the whole, but at least the last hundred years, we were under the spell of Egypt. We saw the power and the force of Abu Dazarah we definitely worshipped. And that was one of the reasons for the commandment, for the plagues, to show us step by step that the Nile God doesn't have power. The, 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 the frog God of fertility doesn't have power. The, and we went through last week all of the gods, that they don't have power. There's only one God, so don't we recognize one God? He's still recognizing both gods. No, so God appoints under, under Hashem, there's definitely forces in the world. And those forces are forces. The, 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 the people who serve Abu Dazara think that Hashem is just created and left the system. The whole thing of the plagues proves that Hashem never left, this, left the system. He's Boreh, the creator, Umanhig, and the one who rules, who keeps everything going. And, but there's other, the other forces still exist. You have to realize that, that during the majority of time we were in Eretz Israel with the Berah Mikdash, half the people worshipped Abu Dazara. Why would they worship Abu Dazarah? You could tell me that they're just looking at stone and there had to be some power that they were able to access, which is a shortcut to get through the dark side, to get what you want, that they were able to access. There has to be something. It can't be, you can't just have all these people that did it for nothing. But anyway, let, let me go on, we'll come back. So Yitroh, now we have a requirement. When we get saved, we have to say Birkat HaGomel. When everyone had a baby, then what happened is when they read the when they had a baby boy and they read the the Zohar in the house the night before the Brit Milah, then usually what happens at the end of the reading, the mother comes out and she says by the door by the she says Birkat HaGomel and everyone answers Amen. There's a question if I can say Birkat HaGomel for you. So for example, if you if I go on a plane and come back from my plane, I come up in the shul and say Birkat HaGomel every morning at the end of the tifi, at the end of the Torah Monday and Thursday. Whoever went somewhere says Birkat HaGomel. This week was very busy because whoever went on uh, vacation says Birkat HaGomel. Now, the question is, can I say Birkat HaGomel for someone else? So there are many rabbis who have the opinion that I can go up. If my wife went on a trip, I can go up and say Birkat HaGomel for my wife and say, uh, So here, here, it seems Yitro is saying Birkat HaGomel on behalf of all B'nai Israel, He's saying, thank you, Hashem, for saving us. Goes further, he says, He says, how does he say God is greater than all of the gods? He sees that a person could pray to the forces, or a person could appeal to these forces and manipulate nature through these forces. But God, we see, is involved midah keneged midah, which we don't have in outside forces. 
Midah Kenegen Midah means that uh, however you did something, God will punish that person or reward that person in the same manner. The Egyptians felt that since the flood came and God promised no flood, he wouldn't destroy the world again with water that he promised. So they felt comfortable throwing the babies in the sea because they knew God couldn't punish midah kenege midah. They made a mistake because them drowning in the sea was midah kenege midah. And this Yitro says the aspect of midah kenege midah is the greatest proof to him that Hashem is the ultimate power and every other power is not independent but is reliant on God for their power. Okay? So the Or Chaim HaKadosh, he goes on and he says, Yitro had assumed that what he heard previously was exaggerated. How could all of these things have happened? How could the Egyptians have gone into the sea? How could the sea have closed on them? How could their bodies all wash up on the shore and they took everything? How could all of these details be true? Moshe showed him not only that, but he showed him that the guardian angel of Egypt, the Tsar of Mitzrayim, which is the highest Tsar, the highest angel of Hashem, he was also destroyed at the sea. And they could only tell Yitro that. It's not something he could have heard because no one would have perceived it. So Yitro acknowledged that although all other nations have spiritual, this is the Orachayim, all other nations have spiritual representatives in the celestial regions, some of whom are very powerful and both protect their protégés and assist them. They do not exact retribution from the adversaries as the protégés of God do. Only God operates on the principle of the punishment fitting the crime. Only the God of Israel would drown people who themselves had drowned others. This is his total realization that God is God. What is it about the sea? I mean, obviously we're being told to go into the sea, right? Pharaoh, all these... Moshe, um, what is it? The sea was because they threw them into the sea. They're right. punishing them and, with the sea. And they do die that way. They throw Moshe into it and they do die that way. But yeah. what is it with the sea that, you know, we're, the Jews are always being threatened? Meaning? Meaning like we're even being threatened to be thrown in. That's our slogan now, right? You're going to throw us into the sea. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Next class. I, I, you got me. <laughs> I, I don't think it has anything to... I think this one is specifically relating to, the, to him throwing the babies into the water and that's the midah keneged midah. Yeah, we could definitely look a lot of correlations with water and sea and I can go through that in hours and hours, but not, not this one. Vayikach Yitro Choten Moshe. Again, we have Yitro Choten Moshe. Olau zevachim lelohim. Now, this is very, very strange. He's going to offer sacrifices to Elohim. We only sacrifice to Hashem, Yud K Vav K, Amonai. We don't sacrifice to Elohim. Elohim is Midat Hadin. Elohim is judgment. You can't give a sacrifice to judgment. There's no sacrifices to judgment. And no one understands why is the word Elohim. It's a very difficult thing to understand why he's offering to Elohim. They all come to eat bread with the Choten Moshe. And again it says, In front of God, We have to try to understand what's going on. Why is this? So you have all these questions regarding this part of the Perashah. We're going to leave the questions. We're going to answer all the questions with one answer. Now we come and get the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments we have, on the third month, when Bnei Israel leaves Egypt, on this day, Bayom Hazeh, on this day, Sinai, they come to the desert of Sinai. The strange thing is, Bayom Hazeh, on this day, it should say Bayom Ha Hu, on that day. What does it mean, this day? The rabbis say that we should learn from Bayom Hazeh that every day we receive the Torah anew. What does that mean? Every day we receive the Torah. Then the next pasu. Vayisu merefidim. Vayisu, plural. They went from refidim. Vayavo midbar Sinai. They came to the desert of Sinai, plural. Vayachanu bamidbar. They settled in the desert, plural. Vayachanu. The next one is Vayichan Sham Israel. Now it goes to singular that Israel settled there. Neged Hahar. 
Why do we have plural, plural, plural? And in the same verse, it jumps to singular. So it's plural, 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 and then singular, because why singular? The rabbis say that for the first time in history, the only time in history, we all got along. There were no little fights. It wasn't like two people put their tents next to each other and he said, you know, you're a little on my property line. Or, you know, he, he said to his wife, you know, she's making bread that smells great. Why don't you cook as good? Or some other story, whatever. Everyone got along for the one and only time in history. Why is that important? Skip to verse 9. So God says to Moshe, I'm coming to you to speak to you in order the Bnei Israel should hear me speak to you, and in you they're going to believe. So I want them to see me speak to you. While people say, we want to see God. The people want to see God. That's what they ask Moshe. Rambam says, it's, it's a denial. There's nothing to see. What do you want to see? There's some spiritual reality that maybe we could see because when we crossed the sea last week, it says, we said, Ze'eli ve'anvehu. This is my God. When you say Ze' in Hebrew... That means you're pointing to something. What were they pointing to? That they could see God. And the rabbis tell us that even the lowest person crossing the sea saw more than the Nevi'im later on, who talk about the the chariot of God and all the things. There was more of a revelation of God then than any time later in history. It says that they get ready for the third day. They're by Har Sinai. And Hashem says, okay, Get ready, I'm coming down. The giving of the Ten Commandments, we call it the 15 Commandments, really, Aseret Hadibro, this is the basis of our belief. This, that God spoke to us, all of us together, is unique in history. This is the basis of our belief. And even with this miracle of miracle, look what happens 40 days later. The golden calf comes. Everything that we did, everything that was there, we sort of wipe out. Now look at the Ten Commandments. You would imagine if God is coming to B'nai Israel and telling them for the first time, speaking to you straight, it's going to be something that blows your mind away. I'm God, your God, who took you out of Egypt. Believe in me, that's what it's implied. We already have of the seven mitzvot that were given to Noah, you have to believe in God. The second mitzvah, don't have other gods. Again, we already know this already. This is not something that's, that your mind, whatever. Lord Tisa, you shouldn't have another God. Or don't take God's name in vain. Again, nothing new. The next one is Shabbat. But we already heard about Shabbat at Marah because by Marah it says, Sham Sam Chok Umishpat. Hashem taught us there the laws of Shabbat. So if we taught, learned and we saw the laws of Shabbat from the man. So the Ten Commandments telling us about Shabbat Nothing new. The fifth one must be a big one. Respect your mother and your father. What? That's what God has to tell me? Shouldn't it be everyone who respects their mother and their father, aside from the fact that at Marah, we were also told we have to respect our mother and father. Then we have the next one. What's the next one? I have a big one for you. Don't kill. Don't kill. Isn't that Shiva Mitzvah B'nai Noah? Don't steal. All the commandments that we have of these ten commandments... There's nothing new. There's nothing that we didn't hear before. There's nothing that's so, whoa, what, what's going on? Then it tells us further that the first commandment, Anochi Hashem, Hashem spoke. And what happened to all of us when we heard Hashem speak? We all died because it was so holy. And we were blown away, says the Midrash, says the Gemara, we were blown away miles, 12 miles back. The angels came from heaven sprinkled dew on us, brought us back to life, and we came back. Second commandment, God does again. What happens to us? Everyone dies, blows back, angels sprinkle dew, we come back. And then we say, Moses, strike one, strike two, we're not taking a chance, strike three. God shouldn't speak anymore. You should speak only to us. And that's what happens next. What happened is, that's what we say, Moshe gave us the 611 commandments, and Hashem gave us two Himself. That's where we get the 613. Because we say Torah, Torah is 400, is the Taf, Vav is 6, Resh is 200, He is 11, it's 5, 
So that's 611 Torah we got from Moshe, because only 611 we got, two we got from Hashem. But what's the story that would die and born again at Har Sinai? Says Rabbeinu Hari, that we have to know, there's two steps in our future. First the Mashiach comes, and then there's something called Tichiyat Hametim, the resurrection of the dead. That will take place either, depending on opinions, 40 years after Mashiach, 200 years after Mashiach, 210 years after Mashiach. But this is one of the cardinal beliefs that we have in Judaism. We read in the Amidah every day, Baruch Atah Hashem Mechaye Hametim, who revives the dead. Yechezkel, in Bavel, they said the people didn't believe that there's going to be a revival of the dead. So what happened? We read every Cholamod Pesach, the Haftarah, where he talks about the dried bones coming to life. The dried bones coming to life, that literally what happened, he goes out into the valley, there's 30,000 dead bodies, and all of a sudden, all those dead bodies, and you go through the details, that all of a sudden, their bones come together, and their skin grows, and they come back to life. Yeah, there's a, and we read that Haftarah, it's in the Navi, we read that Haftarah every year on Cholamoed Pesach. That we should know that this is the this is the end game. The end game is Techiyamadim. This is the destination. This is the goal in the world. Every morning I get up, what's the first thing I say when I get up? Right? That what did Hashem do? You returned my soul. The rabbis say every night we go to sleep, it's one sixtieth of death. We taste death when we go to sleep. And every morning Hashem brings us back to life. The first operation that we have in the Torah, and we'll say human history, is when Hashem puts Adam to sleep to take his rib in order to create Chava. The question is, why did he need to put him to sleep? He could have just done abracadabra, but why does he need to go to sleep? Because what happens is, he goes to sleep, he wakes up, and now he's alive. And it's like Techiyad Hametim, and then he sees his wife. Last week we said, Az Yashir, the key idea in Az Yashir is Techiyat HaMetim. Why? Because the words Az Yashir, what does it mean Az Yashir? Then Moshe will sing. Moshe will sing. It should say Az Shar Moshe. Then Moshe sang the song. It says Az Yashir. Because when is Moshe really going to do? He's going to sing in the future at the coming of Mashiach and Techiyat Hametim. That's why it should, it should have been in past tense, but it shows it's in, it's in future tense. We have every, we're supposed to say every day the Anima Amin. And one of the Anima Amin is that we should say that we believe fully that Hashem is going to resurrect all of the dead. We said that when we walked through the sea, we saw Hashem, and it was greater than the vision of Yechezkel. And Yechezkel sees the chariot of God. He goes through this whole description. And, and therefore, the, the going through the sea is a reminder of, Az Yashir is a reminder that in the end, everything will be based and show through Techiyat HaMetim. So Yitro heard, Az Yashir. Az Yashir. That means they're going to sing in the future? What am I missing in the future? This is in reference to Techiyat HaMetim, the resurrection of the dead, which is the ultimate goal. But what about Amalek in the war? We mention, we say Birkat HaGomel. So I say when we fly, we say Birkat HaGomel. When else do you say Birkat HaGomel? Obviously, you come out of the hospital, you say Birkat HaGomel. So it says, when a woman gives birth, is Birkat HaGomel. So there's four things. This should is should be should be Birkat. So there's four four things that the rabbis say. We say Birkat HaGomel when you cross the ocean. When a person crosses the desert, when one recovers from a serious illness, and one is released from prison. We say basically, Agomel, give birth is, is it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's basically, you have to think now, go back, go back 2,000 years. If I told you I was taking a trip across the ocean, you would say, good luck. <laughs> if I told you I was taking a trip across the desert, good luck. If I, Chas Shalom was, even childbirth was in those days not so easy. And obviously release from prison is... So it says that a person says, Gomel, ha-gomel tovot. You're telling me, I, I, you saved me even though 
I was chayav. I was out of here. I was done. You saved me. That's the idea we have to have when we're saying gomel. And when you said gomel in the old days, in the time of the Bet Mikdash, you brought a korban toda. The korban toda you brought with 30 loaves of bread. How are you going to eat 30 loaves of bread in one day? You had to invite other people to come with you. All the other people who came to eat this cow and these 30 loaves of bread, what did you do at the 30 loaves? They said, why are you inviting me? I'm inviting you to tell you why Hashem saved me. You always have to, when Hashem does something good, you have to show that Hashem did something good for me and share that. We have all the avot. You have to see that all the avot relate to Techiyar HaMetim. We have the story of Abraham. He goes into the fire of Ur Kasdim. He spends three days there. He comes out. He's still alive. It's as if he's born again. Yitzchak, the Akedah, cuts his neck. Whatever happens, he's born again. Yaakov fights an angel and overcomes the angel. He should have been dead. I was saved. We say, And we say, Because all of them had a chance to start again. All of them in the vernacular could say, I was born again. You know, born again. So the Birkat Avot, it's also that they all shouldn't have had children. They all almost miraculously have children. Yitro heard. He already knew how great Hashem is. But he's yearning to understand. He wants to know the purpose of creation. He heard about a war that we were saved from Amalek. He heard about the miracle at sea. He realizes that in life, everyone is given a second chance. There's always a thing called revival, rebirth. He wants the Torah. Why? Because the Torah is the energy to awake. The dew that Hashem, that the angels sprayed on the people, that's a dew or energy of Torah. So Says, were, please, no? So when they died and then they sprinkled the dew and they formed again, that's what... He's saying that's, that's their rebirth. They're born again. Why is it necessary for this story to happen, to be able to tell the story? The Masechet Ketuvot says, when the time of Techiyar HaMetim comes, the Am Ha'aretz will not get up. The person who... How do I translate Am Ha'aretz? The, the person who knows nothing, the person who isn't interested, the person who doesn't learn, the person who has no connection, he doesn't get up. The dew that Hashem sprayed is a dew or energy of Torah. The appearance of Hashem makes them die. Why would that be? Because the purpose is... To renew a person as a brand new person. The Adi says, you come back and know that anything is possible. A lot of times, but that's where do you think they get it? I leave my past in the past, and tomorrow I'm someone who could be new. Every day, if we hear the same Devar Torah, says the Ari, it's as if it's the first time I'm learning because what am I? I'm a new person. I'm in a new system. I'm a new... new uh, New, new, everything around me. He says there's new ways of understanding. So the attitude we have to have every morning when we wake up, it's a mini Tehiyar metim. We say, Hamachazir Neshamot Lifgarim Metim. You return souls to us like we're dead when we're sleeping. So we're born anew every day? Exactly. So but for, yeah? If in your life you don't learn more or do it or become a new person, then you have to come back in another life? Is that the idea of your so basically, just to, to jump to that, and then we'll go. So the idea behind, behind the Gilgul is, we go through this life, and we have certain things that we're supposed to accomplish. We have a list that we're supposed to accomplish, or certain things that we shouldn't do wrong. And we do those things, we fail. Say we fail. We come up after 120 years, we get to the court in heaven, and we watch the video. And the video shows everything we did. And says, uh, you didn't do what you should have done. You messed up what you should have done. What do you want to do about it? And you say, you know what? Give me another chance. I was in this world. I was very wealthy. I didn't share. I didn't give tzedakah. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Maybe bring me back as a poor person so that I could appreciate and see the challenges I face as a poor person. I was in this world. I had these benefits. Maybe take away these benefits for me in the, in the next life that I have in order. We basically go up to heaven and see that we have to be metaken, we have to fix something. So we write a script in heaven for our next life.
we choose the conditions of that life in order to put us in a test that we believe or our soul believes we can pass. So the challenges we face in these, this life now are the challenges we wrote for ourselves. We could always edit because we become a new person. If we grow and go over, then we go to the next level and then everything changes. But we wrote the script for this world. So the attitude every morning, says Ari, is that a person has to say, I'm new again. But in order for Tehiyar HaMetim to work, we have to be unified. There's a condition of Tehiyar HaMetim that there's an agreement between people that we get along. And that's why before Matan Torah, what do you have? Vayichan. They were together. You have one nation, one heart. Those who don't get along, don't come back. All of a sudden, you feel that you're agreeing with everyone. One time we were at peace. Hashem did this. He made us all together in order to understand this is required. Now the commandments, you hear them. One, two, three. We heard them all. Why again? Because when you hear it again, it has to be as if it's new. Even if I hear the same thing. So Yitro comes to the understanding that I have to bring Moshe's wife and his children because the children need Torah or they won't cut up in Techiyar HaMetim. Yitro recognizes their names. Gershon, we're strangers in this world. We're not permanent on this earth. I'm a stranger on earth. Eliezer, Hashem saves us. Hashem gives us life. He grants us life. He's the one who brings us back. We're here in order to come back in Techiyar HaMetim. Yitro comes to convert, but not just to convert. He hears about the war with Amalek. Who was Amalek? Amalek was the child of Timnah. Who was Timnah? She went to the Avot and said, I want to convert. I want to be with you. And they rejected her. When they rejected her, what did she do? She went to Esav. And through her, we have Amalek. He says it shouldn't have happened had they not refused her. It's crucial and important that, that I should go and join the Jewish people. A convert is a big thing, he says. He says, such a great person is the one who says, Baruch Hashem. He understands he's at a higher level. He can live even in Midat Adin. He could sacrifice to Elohim because he realizes who Hashem really is. There's no backtracking. In the future, when we have Techiyar HaMetim, Midat Hadin rules. There's no more mercy. We don't need it anymore. There's only Midat Hadin. This is why they sit together with Yitro. They eat together. They know they need to learn together. They have the energy when they learn together to produce the do of Techiyar HaMetim. When you sit together, when we're sitting here and learning, we're not alone. Hashem is with us when we're learning. The, the Shekhinah is with us while we're learning. And we need that energy to produce the do. To, to, to produce that do. This is a condition of Techiyar HaMetim. The Zechut is Moshe goes outside. Even though Yitro criticizes Moshe, Moshe listens to him. He sees that Yitro is at a very high level. Yitro appreciates his son-in-law. He was Kohen Midian. I'm the Pope of the world. But I'm not going to use that title anymore, the Pope of the world. I'm going to take a better title. Choten Moshe. I appreciate my son. The Orachim says it's only due to his status as Choten Moshe that he gets to Har Sinai at all. So B'nai Israel were there. We were at the sea. We said, Ze'eli, this is our God. We reached the highest level, but we lost it when we complained, when we did all of the things. As Yashir, we reach a level of Techiyat HaMetim, but we complain about the water. We complain about the food. We complain about everything. We say, Hayesh Hashem Bekirbenu. Is Hashem really among us? Because of the complaints, we lose it. We lose the emunah. We lose the bittichon. We lose the faith. We lose the belief in Techiyat HaMetim. But we want to see God. Why? Because we remember, Az Yashir, Ze'eli, this is God. We don't want to, we, we want to see what we lost at Yamsuf. We don't see it anymore. We complained and we lost out. Hashem, please give us another chance. This is Az Yashir in the future. Though danger, Hashem grants us a new life. He says that they, he says, Hashem tells them some commandments. They should feel new to you, even though you heard them already. They pass away, they revive, they renew with the do of Torah. Anochi, the word actually produces the do. The same with the words lo yihiyeh. They're revived by these words. We experience this miniature revival indicative of when Mashiach should come. Moshe is going to be the leader. The Mashiach is going to have within him 
an aspect of the neshama of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe is going to be our teacher still. He's the model who understood Tehiyat HaMetim. They need to reach that level. So why Yitro here? Yitro is the first person on his own. The amazing potential of a human being to reach this level and understand the goal of life. It's incumbent upon us. It's one of the 13 tenets of faith. It's something we say every single day. We have a mini Tehiyat HaMetim, the ability to start over, the ability to be born again. We have to... We have to do this. A married couple could feel born again. Everyone could feel born again. You have to be able to leave the past and move forward. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. What's the whole idea of the holidays? We wipe the slate of the past clean and we move forward. Every month we have Rosh Chodesh. What do we do? Wipe the old month away and start new. Every week we have Shabbat. We wipe the whole past week, come forward. And each day we say, Hamachazir neshamot lifkarim metim. That Hashem is the one, You gave me my new soul. We have to take advantage, we have to start over. You always can start again. My mother always said, every day she said this, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Before we close, I just want to answer some of the open questions of why Yitro relates to, uh, to, uh, to, the, to uh, Kain. It says that Yitro, he's an ardent idol worshiper. Something implied by his title of priest. This is what the Orachayim writes. In fact, he writes, a goy who occupied an exalted position in his own country and who was a religious dignitary to boot, made a 180 degree turn, becomes remarkable for the Jewish people only after the Torah tells us who this Gentile was prior to his conversion. The Orachayim writes something also that we should all pay attention to, even though a lot of rabbis don't like to speak about this. He says, it seems to me that the reason that this teaching came from Yitro is that Hashem wanted to show B'nai Israel of that generation and of all generations that there are among the nations of the world great masters of understanding and intellect. My father always said to us, from every person I can learn. He says, who's the example? This is Yitro. His advice and the way he chose to organize a society. Remember, he gives advice to Moshe on creating judges. And finally, to the tikkun of Kayin through Yitro. This explains why it was important for Moshe to marry Yitro's daughter. If they were fighting over the girl, what happens? Yitro, by giving his daughter to Moshe, he's being metaken for the fight that they had over who gets the two and who gets the one. That's the first. The Arizal explained that Sipporah, Moshe's wife, had the soul of the sister of Hevel, and thus by allowing Moshe to marry Sipporah, Yitro helped correct the sin of Cain, who resented his brother's claim to that sister. The process continues here. Cain's offering was rejected because he brought flax, a cheap material inappropriate. Yitro now corrects this mistake by bringing the proper sacrifices in the wilderness. Additionally, Yitro establishes B'nai Israel's judicial system, rectifying the mistakes that he said when he said to his brother, there's no deen and no dayan in this world. There's no judgment and judge. Finally, Yitro makes the suggestion to Moshe out of concern. And he says, if you don't listen to me, you could die. Because he wants to save Moshe's life. To be metaken Kain, who killed Hevel. This explains why the parasha that describes Matan Torah is named after Yitro. Rabbi Mansori said correcting the flaw of fraternal strife and hatred was a precondition of B'nai Israel receiving the Torah. The soul of Cain had to be redeemed through Yitro's arrival before Hashem could give B'nai Israel the Torah. Once this flaw was corrected and the stain of this first instance of hatred and strife was removed from mankind, God descended upon Har Sinai to give his Torah to B'nai Israel. Finally, as the rabbis explained, the bloods crying out relate to the aspect of reincarnation and Tehiyat HaMetim, and it was this aspect Yitro came to correct. And this idea of Tehiyat HaMetim is really the end game and the goal that everyone has to look forward to. We go to a funeral, and what do we say? That the person's going to be back with us. We comfort the mourner, and we say the same thing. When a mourner gets up, we say that Hashem is going to wipe away all the tears and those in the ground are going to rise up. Do we believe it? 
The whole idea is we have to believe it. We see Yitro as the one who connects us, and this perasha connects us. God willing, next week we'll see a little bit more how Tefiyat uh, Metim, how we collect, connect to, uh, sorry, how we connect to reincarnation and a little more understanding of reincarnation.